Welcome into a special edition of the First Draft Podcast. A couple of days late, but it's for good reason, as Field Yates, Mel Kuyper, and Todd McShay are covering the Senior Bowl this week. I don't know why I call myself uh, in the first person. I feel like if anybody in this podcast has earned that right, it's probably you, Mel. You are not here in the in Mobile, but it's been a good week so far for the, uh, for the Senior Bowl. I'm watching you guys, and I'm going to be critiquing you guys today during the podcast, especially Todd, 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 with some of the ridiculous comments he's been making. But we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I have been watching as much as I possibly can. And it would be nice back- if you would you would actually like put your boots on the you know on the ground and get down to Mobile one of these times. Not necessarily. Yep. I got my eyes on the games. I was watching your boy Dwayne Eskridge back uh, when he was in 2019 playing cornerback <laughs> in a 2018 dominating Syracuse. So I heard enough Dwayne Eskridge yesterday from Todd McShay. So you can get into your favorite player in the draft. Todd. I Eskridge has been fun to watch. One second, guys. This, this, I'll say this. This is probably the best group overall in terms of, of, of talent that I've seen at Mobile and at the Senior Bowl in 23 years of doing this. And Field keeps reminding me that I've been doing it for 23 years. I'm starting to feel, feel really old. But the wide receivers especially, Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, physical guy for only six foot 190. Nico Collins, 6'4", 215, has been dominating one-on-ones. Dwayne Eskridge, as you mentioned, from Western Michigan, the way he gets off of the line of scrimmage, the, the way he separates with his quickness and speed is special to watch. Um, on the other side, uh, Kadarius Toney, he, he's been injured a little bit, but he's explosive and is just an offensive weapon. Amari Rogers has played well coming out of Clemson. Um, Marquez Stevenson has had a, a good week coming out of Houston. And, uh, and Shai Smith is a lot like Dwayne Eskridge in terms of the quickness and the ability to separate with pure speed and, and getting in and out of breaks. Yeah, it's been a good week for the wide receivers in general. We'll get through those guys a little bit more in just a moment. But just sort of speak, speaking uh, from like a 30,000-foot view, I'll ask both of you to start with Mel, is how is the Senior Bowl different or maybe even more important this year given the fact that there's no NFL combine and basically everything from here on out is going to be conducted virtually up until April 29th? Right. I really think the interviews are so important uh, to get to know these kids and see these kids when you haven't had much of that this year, guys. I think that's going to be critical. Jim Nagy is going to have it all set up. They're going to be able to interview uh, guys. I think 15 minutes, I believe, got over 100, we got 135, 136 players down there. Uh, Friday, they can re-interview guys, bring guys in there. So I think, think that that one-on-one situation with a player that you're not going to get at the Combine this year is so critical uh, at, in Mobile this week for, for these teams to get to know these guys because it was a year where you were so, you know, uh, so different. It, was, it wasn't the same like, buildup to the draft that we normally have. So any of these types of situations you can be in, uh, it's going to be a benefit. So I think the interviews this week in Mobile are as important as anything. I talked to Jim. He, he said they, they spent $12,000 on plexiglass alone, $12,000, just so that players could have the, the one-on-one opportunity. And every scout that I've talked to, every GM that I've talked to, everything has been Zoom. Everything has been Zoom the entire year. There's been, not been an opportunity to sit down and talk one-on-one face-to-face with these players and get to know them a little bit. So this is the – without the combine – this is really the only time 
that GMs, head coaches, coordinators, quarterback coaches, scouts can actually sit there and talk to a person one-on-one and try to get a a feel for them. And and it's hugely important. And that's why Jim went out and spent $12,000 on plexiglass so they could have two, basically two-on-two meetings, two, two coaches or two personnel people with uh with a player and and that's basically it and they're gonna they're instead of doing two or three hours they're doing four and five hours a night of interviews just to try to get that time in with these players yeah it's been quite a marathon down here and by the way todd it's not just that this is the only opportunity for gms to speak to players during the pre-draft process i was speaking to a gm this morning who said he'd barely been on the road this year like for the last nine months since the last draft other than going to his own team's away games. It's been a year of working remotely and not doing the normal things that GMs and college scouting directors and directors of pro personnel are accustomed to. So this week we have seen uh, some big names on the field. We've also seen some names that have been somewhat involved. A player like Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, is here. He's not participating because of that finger issue suffered during the national championship game. His teammate Najee Harris is here as well. He's participating in a limited basis on the field, basically anything done up and down the field, no horizontal movement. And then Mac Jones is also here, Mel. So I'd be curious your opinion about how much these Alabama stars can help their stock this week. In the case of Mac Jones, it's on and off the field. In the case of Devontae and Najee, it's more about just being here. How much can that help them? Well, I go back to when A.J. McCarron came out. He didn't uh, participate in the, in the senior bowl and Mobile became what a fifth-round pick. And here's Mack, who's a first-round pick. I haven't won 15 in New England with that Belichick-Saban connection. I think you know, I heard Todd talking a little bit about the whole Brady thing, and Lewis Riddick brought it up yesterday. And I had talked about that Tuesday when we did our TV, that uh, you know, he's not going to be Brady. Nobody's ever going to be Brady. But when you talk about Mac Jones uh, and go back to what, what Tom did at Michigan, big-game guy, Mac Jones, same thing. And you see him down there, the way he handles himself. In practice, I mean, he was the lead guy. He was on it. You could see him, but boy, he got the play. He he communicated the play. He's so smart, so into football, and uh, to just watch him throw the ball and, and look so com- comfortable and confident, uh, boy, I tell you, I was impressed. I I, I thought, boy, I liked him at Alabama. Like what I saw down there, uh, he's head and shoulders above everybody that you see on that field at quarterback, and you kind of expected that. But I think Mac has made himself and Todd and Field. You can tell me if I, he, he's jumping in there, and, and Caroline and Matt Rule are seeing him every step of the way, and they're picking at eight. I haven't won fifteen. I'm not sure he gets the fifteen now. Yeah, I you know I, I don't disagree, and I, I talked to Matt Rule for about twenty minutes before practice yesterday, and I love when coaches are just honest and open, and he he's like. There were eight games we were in in the fourth quarter down by one score. We needed that guy at the quarterback position to be able to to punch it in. You know, if we win four or five of those games, everything's different. So it's very clear that they want a quarterback, and and maybe it will be Mac Jones. You know, the the time spent with him, it's – you know, Jamie Newman is really talented. He throws the, the nine route, the deep route really well. But he's got, you know, he's got some issues in terms of anticipation. Kellen Mond has been inconsistent. Felipe Franks is all over the all, all over the place. Sam Ellinger is, is Tim Tebow without the circus, and Ian Book is really competitive and runs well. But he, he's got to learn how to throw inside the pocket. It's so clear from these six really good quarterbacks. Mac Jones is like head and shoulders above the rest. His competitiveness, his his ability to move inside the pocket. 
and his ball placement, his accuracy is, is just, it's outstanding. It really is. And I, and I, you know, talking to Jim Nagy, Jim, Jim's sale pitch to him was to Mac Jones was, listen, there are three other quarterbacks that right now are ahead of you. They can't come and, and participate. We all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to go number one. Zach Wilson can't be here because he's an underclassman. Same with Justin Fields, same with Trey Lance. So you've got a chance to come here this week. And, and even if you skip one of those guys, you know, outplay one of those guys in, in scouts' minds, you're going to make millions of dollars. And, and that's really what sold Mac Jones on coming here. And, and it's been fun to watch so far. It feels like everything that has been asked of Mac Jones so far during the pre-draft process, and I'll include the season in that, obviously his final season in Alabama, he has aced up to this point. And physically, we understand he's not of the same caliber of a Trevor Lawrence or even really a Justin Fields and a Zach Wilson. But NFL teams fall in love with a lot of elements of a quarterback beyond just what they see on the field. And I think that Mac Jones is a good example of a player who everything intangible is going to be A-plus for Mac Jones, and a team could really fall in love with that. You know, the Senior Bowl is not just the big names. One of the questions that we're always asking and that you guys did in your 2021 Senior Bowl preview article, which is available on ESPN+, Plus, is about players that could be sleepers or players who have the most to gain from a good week this week. Mel, I'll begin with you and a couple of players that you think have a chance during this week or may have already up to this point in this week, improve their stock or have a lot to gain. Like the, some of the opt-outs, obviously Todd has mentioned Nico Collins a lot and Jamie Newman a lot, but I think Dylan Radens is a kid out of North Dakota State, an offensive tackle, left tackle, had a great season in 2019, only had the one game against Central Arkansas on October 3rd. Got to like this kid. I mean, he's got the, everything you want. And I think you look at a kid, maybe second round for Dylan Radens. I think Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa is another kid, uh, along with Ellerson Smith, a pass rusher, saw them in some one-on-one. So I think those are the kind of kids, uh, Quinn Minerts from, from Wisconsin, Whitewater, uh, also an offensive guard, an interior guy who has certainly has a chance to be maybe a third-round draft choice. So I think that there's a lot of those one double-A guys, Todd Field, that certainly down in Mobile have a chance to solidify a day-two opportunity. Uh, and I think with Smith and Brown, maybe more day-three, but you're going to be looking in that second to fifth round for a lot of these guys. And Kay Johnson from South Dakota State, the Jack Rabbits had a heck of a career catching the ball. He's interesting. He can't get lost <laughs> in the shuffle. you got some cornerbacks from the one double-A ranks, have length. Uh, and Rochelle from Central Arkansas and Mills from North Carolina Central. So you got a lot of guys uh, that you're looking at down there in Mobile, uh, even more so than this past year, because I think there'll be more non-1A players drafted this year than there were last year. As usual, you, you don't leave a lot of meat left on the bone when you list off 16 different players. But um, <laughs> Rochelle was one, one player. He, he's been a little bit ups, uh, uh, up and down coming out of Central Arkansas in terms of how he's played. But he's also had to go up against some of the best wide receivers uh, that are here in, in this week. Kadarius Tony um, is one that he had to go one on one against and, and lost a couple of those battles. But he, you can see, he has the ability as probably a day two pick to be to be a really good player in the NFL. And I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be a starter. Some other guys who aren't small school players, but but have stood out so far. I've mentioned Dwayne Eskridge a lot on TV and and, and already in this podcast, but he he is to me has been I, I would say outside of Nico Collins, the best wide receiver here, and, and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of good wide receivers here. Shy Smith from South Carolina, again a big school, but 
because he, he didn't have a great quarterback and, and never really had that guy getting him the ball. He had good production, but no one really knew who he was. And he comes down here and he's just working these DBs, getting off the line, getting in and out of breaks. Uh, Shai Smith, to me, is, is has improved his stock as much as any player here so far this week. So those are a, a, couple, a couple of the guys, I think, from bigger schools that, that really have, uh, have stood out. And, and I mean, I, I can go on and on and on and on. But the um, yeah. the defensive line, too, has been really impressive for, for both groups. And Notre Dame, you know, they've got they've got aid at, at one spot. They've got um, – uh, Who's the other the other defensive lineman that they have down here? But Daylon Hayes, yeah, Daylon, exactly. He he's been great dropping in coverage, doing different things, and then Cooper from from Ohio State has had a really good week as well. And he's a guy who he's not great versus the run, but he can get after the quarterback, and this this is perfect for him because he he has been one on one, seven on seven. He has been able to to get home and get to the quarterback a lot. An interesting week for a couple of the players that you mentioned, Todd. Just to add a few more thoughts to sprinkle in on Dwayne Eskridge, I might make the case that he's been the most impressive receiver here this week. A couple of drops on Wednesday that seem uncharacteristic, but a reminder that this guy was playing cornerback not that long ago at Western Michigan, as recently as the 2019 season. He's really stood out. And you mentioned Mac Jones earlier. And and Mel just mentioned Quinn Mayners, the center from University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, who's become kind of an internet sensation. He <laughs> is, what, 315, 320 pounds, and he goes with the Zeke Elliott crop top uniform. But this I is not it. a guy who's just going to stand out because of his impressive gut that hangs out, which, by the way, it's, it's not really a gut. It's well, like, this is not sloppy. This is a guy who's well-built. But he's been energy. He's been intensity. And he's been moving some dudes around in some of these one-on-ones. This is not simply a cool story because of the way that he looks. He's been effective in drills so far as well during the season. One, one other guy, too, uh, Trey McKitty, the tight yeah. end from Georgia. Underused, he's a transfer, comes into Georgia, just, just never was the guy, was never a big part of the offense. He has 11-inch hands. I mean, huge mitts. He's uh, 6'4", 245 pounds. He can play that Y. He can play in line. They can detach him. He can play on the outside. He's caught a lot of balls, and he's caught balls in traffic. And I, I've been really impressed with him, with his speed and his ability to make catches in, in traffic. And I, I knew coming in that he was the guy that had a chance to really prove himself because he, he never was used properly in college. But he is, he's even exceeded expectations so far. Yeah, Todd, he was better. And when you look at the Florida State film, it's going to be really important to him because he can run after the catch. They used him on reverses. They He's got, got him speed, the ball. Mel. What's that? He's got speed. Oh, yeah. I mean, he can run. I mean, he was, he was an athlete at Florida State. You looked at him, the way he could run, they utilized him a lot because of his running skills and his athleticism, not just catching the ball. So uh, Trey McKitty underutilized at Georgia. Remember, they, they didn't have the same buildup to the season, you know, with the college ranks. Everybody didn't. So it was for his transfers. It was tough. But uh, when he did have opportunities, he came through. Uh, he's a great kid. He works hard. Uh, but I think that Florida State tape will make him probably a third or fourth round draft choice. Yeah, he, the entire tight end group is fairly interesting here in Mobile. McKitty, probably the best pure athlete of the group, but there's a guy in Kenny Yaboa played at Ole Miss who uh, you don't find too many tight ends built quite like him. And it seems like Hunter Long from Boston College is the most ready-made to come in 
maybe be a day two pick and start for you right away. He's had a good, solid week here. The guy just seems to catch everything thrown his way, and he's all of 250-plus pounds. And to go back a, a field to minors, uh, you know, the, the kid from Wisconsin, Whitewater, the Warhawks. D3, you think about him, you know, usually Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska get this type of kid, but I love the wrestling background. Uh, he's got a great attitude, great approach. He was captain there in 2019. Uh, that kid is going to be probably, what do you, I mean, what are you guessing? Third round, Todd Field, for, for minors? This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I would think, yeah, third or fourth round, right, Todd? I mean, I've, yeah, I think I based on how he's shown third, this week. Third, third yeah. fourth. Yep. Yeah, especially if, and I don't, I, I don't know the background nearly as well as either of you do, but the only thing that might limit a player sometimes would be if, if he's just the center, teams are a little bit more concerned with the lack of positional versatility. But if he can play some guard, then I would think he's going to have you know, the, the comparison is going to be made to uh, a player last year, Ben Barch. Ben Barch. Sure, ben Barch, who I thought I was going to screw the name up, uh, ended up going to the fourth round of the Jaguars, who, you know, I think that the prospect comparison is not just because they both played at small schools, guys who are probably ready to come in and give you some snaps right away as soon as his rookie season. Anything else, Todd, that you feel like you want to mention from what we've seen so far this week or anything you've seen Mel on the broadcast before we spin things forward to Mel's mock draft, which has been posted as first of the season. I think to me, the running backs have been really impressive. Uh, Larry Roundtree is a guy who, who seems to bounce off every, every contact. He, he really has good balance as a runner. Uh, Kylan Hill has quick feet. Chris Evans is, is kind of the lost player because he, he opted out this year from Michigan, 5'11", 216 pounds. And he, he's just – he's been through a lot in his life. He is tough. He's physical. They detach him. He can go catch the ball. Um, when, he, when he plays and when he's at 100%, I think he's the type of guy who could be a starting running back or at least in a rotation in the NFL. And then on the other, the other team, the national team, Michael Carter is another guy. He may not be your starter, but he's going to be in a rotation, and you can put him in the slot. He's 5'8". Uh, 199 pounds catches the ball well quick in and out of his his breaks and and gets to and through the line of scrimmage really quickly Najee Harris the fact that he's even here in pads tells you everything you need to know about Harris I mean he I, I said it before his his ankle was a grapefruit coming off of that national championship game and and 
Jim Nagy had to basically tell him, listen, there's no pressure. You don't have to play. Just show up and interview, do whatever you want. He's like, no, 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 no. You're talking, you're not talking to my agent now. You're talking to me. And I'm telling you, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do everything that I physically can do. And that's what he's done so far. And that's why, in my opinion, he's the number one running back, even with uh, uh, Travis Etienne, who's who's a great player as well. And, and both both guys could wind up going in the first round. And then Ramondre uh, Stevenson is is really overlooked as well because he the light came on this past year. And in Oklahoma, he never really had a shot to be the number one back. Trey Sermon transfers to Ohio State. Stevenson steps in and has a monster year. Um, and, you know, averaging almost seven yards per carry, seven touchdowns. And um, so you, you look at all these guys, you get Harris, Stevenson, Carter, um, Chris Evans, Kylan Hill, Larry Roundtree. You're talking about six guys that could go in the first three, four rounds at the running back position, which is really unique in terms of what you get from a talent standpoint at the senior bowl. And some of those guys, Todd, that you mentioned, those running backs are going to end up going in the fifth, sixth, seventh round because that happens every year. So some yeah. of those names that Todd was, uh, those 50 names that Todd rang off there, I think some <laughs> of those guys will be will be available a lot later in the draft making running backs as they always are. Guys you can pick up late can be really good for you. Uh, we'll have more on the Senior Bowl on next week's show, back during our normal Tuesday release time, around 4 p.m. Eastern time. The game itself is being played on Saturday, 2.30 Eastern time on the NFL Network, for those interested in checking it out. One last closing thought for me, and I'm sure both of you would echo this, is just hats off to Jim Nagy and his staff for the work that they've done in making this week as productive and excellent as they have during a really unique year. There have been a lot of challenges, and so far they've met, faced, and passed all of those challenges. Uh, let's get to this to the mock draft now. I know you love your mock drafts. The first one has been posted. It's available on ESPN Plus, first of probably many. And again, probably no, 70 for Mel. <laughs> no trades, of course, in this mock draft. That's the rule. Uh, maybe we'll adjust that at some point going forward so we can get Justin Fields further up the board. But for now, no mock draft trades. As we look at it, obviously the draft starts at pick two, Mel. And you have Devontae Smith from Alabama going to the New York Jets. Uh, we've talked about him extensively on this podcast with Jamar Chase right behind him going three to the Miami Dolphins. How much thought was there to the Jets taking a position not wide receiver because there might be more value in a franchise left tackle, for example? Yeah, I think when you look at that, that's where the trade possibilities come up. And Todd was talking about it with Adam Schefter. And Adam was kind of irritating me the other day by giving me a lot of grief field for not having the quarterbacks high enough. And he gives McShay a free pass. And Todd had the quarterbacks <laughs> way down the line, a lot further down the line than I did. And they're ganging up on me the other day saying, oh, I got a quarterback one, one. I got a quarterback going four. I got a quarterback going seven, eight, and 15. Last time I checked, Todd didn't have quarterbacks going that high. One at 21, one at 19, one at 15. So, again, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get it, but that's I got to deal with this kind of stuff. I'm done, but, um, I'm done playing by your rules, Mel. I, I, I made a trade I last year. See, this is another I made thing a trade last year, yep. and you yelled at me, and, and it became like a public shaming. I'm telling you, February 10th, Camby already called me and told me that's the – that's the date of my next mock draft. I'm going to make you dizzy by how many trades I make. I'm going to have <laughs> a field team trades in right, the first enough, round. That's enough. Let me just tell you, Todd, you, your memory, you remember two, three weeks ago when I said I gave you a late Christmas present and you could, I took the rule away. So you're acting like you're, you're taking this 
I gave it to you. I gave you the ability. <laughs> I rule this stuff. Thank I, you, I sir. am the one, the czar of this whole mock draft thing. I allowed you to make trades. You didn't take that from me. I gave it to you. So you kind of flipped that a little I bit. I already did it last year once, but you lost your mind. You didn't do any trades last year. Yes, I did. I, I did once last year, and you lost your damn mind. So you slipped that by me. I don't even remember. That's how that's how meaningful it was. But anyway, wow. Trade as you want. Knock yourself out, Todd. All right. So back to the to the draft itself now. So you decided to, as I mentioned, not just take a wide receiver for the Jets at number two and the Dolphins at number three, but that meant that you are sticking to your young quarterback plan in Sam Darnold and also two. I think two is a little bit less of a conversation only because yeah. you're just one year into it. But I know there are many that still have questions about Sam Darnold. But for those that have missed previous podcasts, you have been steadfast in your belief that the Jets who continue to build around Sam Darnold going forward. Let me just say this. There's only one quarterback that the Jets or Miami would take over Darnold and two, and that's Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. That's just me. I, can, I cannot believe in a million years that anybody's going to tell me that Zach Wilson or Justin Fields where Mac Jones or Trey Lance have a higher grade than Sam Darnold did coming out of USC. I had him right behind Josh Allen, just a notch below. And, and Tua, we talked about with Herbert and all that last year was right there. Now all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, these quarterbacks are better. No, they're not. I, I think that's, that's something that's just, that's more fiction than fact. I think the only quarterback that would move the Jets away from Darnold is Watson. And same thing for Miami from Tua. It's not going to be these young guys in this draft. So I disagree with all this talk about Wilson and, and Fields talking, uh, you know, forcing the Jets to go away from Darnold. I don't think Zach Wilson and Justin Fields are going to do that, Todd. And you know Joe Douglas a lot better than I do. I, am I wrong? Am I off base? I don't see the Jets going away from Darnold for the young quarterbacks in this draft. I, I agree. I, I do. I, and, you know, look, I'm so close with Joe that I won't ask him. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to pressure him to tell me what, what they're thinking. But I know Joe, and I know, and you know, being in Baltimore, what he's grown up under and, mm-hmm. and how he learned from Ozzie, Ozzie Newsom to Eric, Eric DaCosta and that whole crew. It's getting value and getting draft picks. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, like it, everyone's talking about Deshaun Watson, and I get it. Yes, obviously an upgrade. No question about it. But I don't think Joe did all the movement and did all the things that he did to get eight. I think it's eight picks in the first three rounds in the next two years. I know it's four first rounders in the next, in the next two years to give up three first round picks to go get a quarterback when they have a quarterback that can be successful. So maybe they draft a quarterback. Maybe it is, but if, if they don't go veteran, I, I think that they will try to move back and get even more draft picks because they know, just like everyone who's smart in this business, that it's about a 60-40 proposition in terms of first-round picks turning out to be what you expect mm-hmm. them to be. So if they have five first-round picks in the, next, in the next two years, then it, it gives them more opportunity to put guys around Sam Darnold. And that's exactly what Ozzie always did. Ozzie was always moving back taking advantage of teams that were desperate to move up. you got Atlanta at four. You've got uh, Carolina. You've got possibly Dallas. You've got the Patriots, possibly. Detroit. Uh, there are, what's that? Detroit at pick seven, who obviously yeah, now needs Detroit a quarterback. Seven, yeah. yeah, so you're talking about you know four or five other teams in the top 15 that might want to move up to get that number two pick. 
and think about what they could get to move back a little bit and still get a Devontae Smith or a Panay Sewell or a, a Jamar Chase, a, a player that they could have taken at number two. Hey, Mel, can I ask you one question, though? I know you mentioned how Sam Darnold's draft grade when you graded him in 2017 was higher than what you have for some of the players that are not named Trevor Lawrence in this year's class. That part I understand, but I wonder, is this about where Sam Darnold was before the draft or where he's at now in 2021 with one year left before he becomes a very expensive quarterback? That seems to be part of the equation. I think the Jets have to balance is that if Sam doesn't hit this year, are you able to commit? Because I know the fifth year option would be north of $25 million. Are you able to commit that kind of money to a guy? Or if he doesn't hit this year, are you just going to be right back where you are right now, which is sort of uncertain about your quarterback's future? Well, I think you have to look at it both ways. You'd like them coming out, and I still like them now. I mean, mm. you know, give him some help. Todd's been referencing that. Denzel Mims has a chance to be really good. We'll see. They need a receiver opposite him. The production from the tight end position they thought they would get, they didn't get. You know, the offensive line's got to get better. They have to have a big-time running back come through and help them out. You know, Buffalo's dealing with the same thing up there to help out Josh Allen, who had a great year, phenomenal year, but needs a running game, and maybe Najee Harris would be a good pick for the Bills. So to your point about Sam Field, I don't see anything that would push me away from him right now. And you got to have confidence. They know him better than anybody. They've been with him. They know internally. Is he? Does he have the work ethic, the passion? Do the players revere him like they do Josh Allen up in Buffalo? Is that that same synergy within that organization, within that locker room that you saw those offensive linemen who saw what happened in that game when Josh got hit? You saw him going after guys, right? They have his back. They go through a wall for Josh Allen. Will they do the same with the Jets for Sam Darnold? Joe Douglas knows that. And if that's the case, if they feel the same way about Sam, that those Bills players feel about Josh, then you move forward with Sam Darnold, no question about it. The, the biggest frustration within the Jets organization with Sam is the mistakes that he's still, he's still making. That, you know, as a rookie, they could, they could eat it. Second-year player, he's still developing. But now that he's still – forcing throws and, and and turning the ball over that's the that's the biggest question it's hard and not I to tell, i, I can tell you this team. for a fact if, if they had that number one pick it was trevor lawrence oh yeah so, yeah so but that's a it, from, from your behind when you're playing behind when you're playing with no I, yeah and I, I can defend it you have you have no weapons and you're playing from behind i totally right. get so it you're I'm gonna just, make mistakes, i'm telling you what realistic. what the people in the organization are saying and what right. they're kind but of debating uh, is he our guy I and, get it, but that's, say the, Josh that's the one thing they're too. hung up on. Yeah. Right. Josh Allen was making some mistakes and being reckless and careless at times, and he learned and he developed and he improved. These guys both came out the same year. And you look at Lamar. Lamar's still going through some growing pains in Baltimore. So these are still young quarterbacks. What is Sam, 23 years of age? Josh is 24. Lamar, 23, 24. These are young kids who are showing great promise. More so, obviously, Josh and Lamar are ahead of Sam right now. But I'm not writing Sam Darnold off. Get the guy some help. And if you would have put Josh or Lamar with the Jets, what would we be looking at? Mistakes, right. some regression, same type of thing. Lamar's in a great spot in Baltimore. They're going to help him out this year. Josh got help last year. They're going to probably get him a running back in the draft. So to me, 
No, Sam, I think, is the right man for the job. We'll see. Now, maybe we're wrong. That's not definite, but you got to believe what you believe, and we all believe in Sam Darnold. We believe in Josh. We believe in Sam. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I think the Jets are in a great spot to improve this football team dramatically, and so is Miami. And I, I think the interesting team, guys, is going to be Carolina because right now, and I want to go too crazy on Mac Jones, but would you rather right now put Trey Lance out of North Dakota State, who's only 20 years of age, only had 17 starts, only one game this year and wasn't impressed with throwing in that one game or Justin Fields who had some struggles do you feel that Mac Jones could end up being uh, you know this year when you look at the way the draft could unfold could he in fact be the third quarterback taken behind mm. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson interesting yeah would be third or fourth right and by the way just to go back to Mel's mock for a second here Trey Lance was your pick at number eight Mel yep. if I were to put you on the spot here and tell you hey you can resubmit your mock draft after pick seven, do you think with over the last 48 hours, things going the way that they have, you would be willing to slide Mac Jones in there at eight? Are you going to hold steady on someone like Trey Lance because maybe the upside is greater? Great question, Sheffield. I've been thinking about that a lot, but I do think I'd put Trey Lance there because he's got so much talent. He is only 20 years of age. He'll probably be the youngest player in this draft. And yeah, he's Look got at Field so putting Kuiper on the Kuiper on the map just right now. I everybody, love it. No, everybody make sure they love it. Let me finish. We don't have a lot of time. Let me just finish real quick. I think Trey Lance is a great developmental quarterback. I think having Teddy Bridgewater would be the bridge to Trey Lance in a year or two. Or do you take the guy from Alabama? who is ahead, obviously, of where Trey is right now, but doesn't have the ability of Trey Lance in terms of overall talent. The Joe Burrow comparisons for Mac Jones are grossly exaggerated. You know, Joe Burrow ran for a lot of yards, beat Alabama with his legs. Mac Jones beat nobody with his legs. He's not going to be able to run around. He can move in the pocket, but he's not going to run and pick up first downs on a consistent basis or get you rushing touchdowns like, like Joe Burrow can do. So I think when you look at Mac, I get that but I don't think you can write off Trey Lance there. So to answer your question, Field, it's tempting to flip Mac Jones in there to Carolina, but let's not forget how talented Trey Lance is. And in two, three years, you could be looking at a heck of an NFL quarterback. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, a couple other things that caught my eye from your top 10, Mel, just for those that may have missed it. Uh, Zach Wilson goes 
fourth overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Fifth is an interesting one. Panay Sewell, the Oregon offensive tackle. The Bengals are a team whose most glaring need is about as glaring as any other team's top need, maybe besides the Jaguars and quarterback. They need offensive line help. Uh, they did draft Jonah Williams two years ago from Alabama, but a guy who played plenty of right tackle and other spots during his time at Alabama. Could we potentially see a Penny Sewell, Jonah Williams duo be maybe the thing that unlocks that offense going forward here? I have to believe if he's there and Todd can, can chime in here, I, I, don't, I don't see any way right now that if it pick five and Penny Sewell staring them in the face, they can go away from him. I, I don't see that. I think Slater's got talent, but Sewell I think is better. He's a left tackle. You know that. We don't know if Slater can be Brad Hopkins in the NFL, and only with, uh, with his, uh, you know, his height at 6'3 and a half, 6'4, whatever it may end up being. So, Penny Sewell, to me, if he were there, would be the obvious choice. If you had to say a pick you feel most comfortable with after Trevor at one, uh, I would say Penny Sewell to Cincinnati at five would be the one I felt most confident about. Yeah, if, he, if he's still there, it's turning the card. It's, it's a no brainer. It really is. And how and tall, if, Todd, do you think Slater will end up being? Um, I've got him at six oh four one verified from the spring. So, so six, six, four. Six, okay, four, six, six four four and one eighth of an inch with three three hundred and eight pounds. Are you convinced he's a left tackle in the NFL? No, I actually I think he's gonna be a better guard or center. Okay. He he can be a left tackle. He's he's got the feet, he doesn't have the arm length that you're you're right. typically looking for, but um, but he's the in my opinion. He's the second best offensive lineman in this class. And again, if Sewell is gone somehow in the first four picks, maybe I, you know, I put him at the Jets at two. Um, if he goes in the first four picks, I think Slater would be the pick for for Cincinnati. As I, a I guard think, center, you really think a guard, a guard. A I don't guard. care where he plays, Mel. You have I mean Positional that offensive value, though, line was would... atrocious last year. And they, right. they they darn near got got Joe Burrow killed. You know, I mean, you've got to protect him. So, in my opinion, you've got to find a way to get the, the best offensive lineman available at that number five spot. We got to get Todd to Sports Center momentarily. Just quickly want to ask you guys about the fact that Matthew Stafford and the Lions have decided mutually that they're going to part ways this offseason. Stafford has two years left on his contract. The Lions just overhauled basically their entire organization. Mel, you, Mel, uh, you have. The, the Lions taking Justin Fields seventh overall in your mock. Do you think quarterback is a must for them this year? Or do you think that because this is stage one of the organizational reset, this is a team that could potentially be patient on the quarterback and stockpile the asset by either trading down or just taking the best player available at pick seven? Here's my feeling with Detroit, where they're picking field. I think there's going to be a quarterback. They have to, you're not going to love all three. If, if, after Trevor, you're not going to love Zach Wilson. Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. You're not going to love every one of them. There might be one or two of that at group, or maybe three that you really like, but maybe one you're not sure of. So I think this, I think there will be a couple of quarterbacks there at seven or one they can move up maybe to get uh, that will be the guy they want. And the guy they feel like, we, this is the quarterback we are moving forward with. It's a new organization there in Detroit. Matthew Stafford's going to be moving on. I think there will be. I don't think you ever want to force this field in Todd, but I don't think it'll be a force at seven because I do think at the end of the day, one of those three or four beyond Trevor Lawrence, they will like enough to say, we either take him at seven or we can move up to maybe two or three to get that guy. And I think in this draft, uh, one of those guys, they will love enough to do that. This is going to be a fascinating draft. And, and really the next couple months will, will 
set everything up for the draft because, you know, as, as Schefter said, and we alluded to earlier, 18 new starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and he'll, he'll take the over on that. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of quarterback movement. But if you're just looking at it right now, the Jets are sitting there at two, Miami at three. Both teams are capable of moving back, right? If they, if they like their quarterback with, with Darnold at, uh, in, in New York and Tua in Miami. If they are comfortable with their quarterbacks, you know what four Atlanta wants wants a quarterback. You know seven and eight. You got you've got the uh, the Lions and and the Panthers trying to move up. So I, I could see a lot of movement, and it wouldn't shock me at all if you wound up seeing one, two, three, four being quarterbacks. Think about it. Wow. Like if the if if two and three move out for a team like like Carolina, a team like Detroit moving up to that two and three spot, it could be Lawrence one and then Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance in the, in maybe in that order and and maybe Mac Jones somewhere in that order as well. But there are five quarterbacks that probably are going to go in the first round and they always go higher than we, we think that they're going to go and probably they deserve to go, but teams are going to move up and we see it every single year. And I think it's going to happen again this year. And I continue to think both the Jets and Miami are really well positioned at picks two and three. If they decide to take a quarterback, there are some really good ones available. If they decide to stick with their young quarterbacks, they could be either taking premium players at other spots like the wide receiver or offensive tackle or moving down for teams that are looking to move up. That's what we have for this week. Uh, we got to get everybody out to their other duties, which includes some sports center segments here for Todd McShay. But a reminder that every week at 2 p.m., excuse me, 4 p.m. on Tuesday, we will have a new episode, this being our lone exception because of the Senior Bowl week. And Todd's going to be putting together a buzz file of everything that he was hearing down here in Mobile that will be available at some point on ESPN.com, as is Mel's latest mock draft. Mel, that's number one. Of, do we have you – know, so Schefter set his over-under of quarterbacks changing teams at 18. What's the over-under on number of mock drafts for you this year? We will be doing probably five. Let's say five would be the over/under. It might be yeah. more, might be less. I'm I'll also going to do. Over. I'm also going to come up on ESPN.com in the next few days with a draft from rounds one through seven. Of course, you are non one A players, players that didn't the one double A's, two three. A draft that would be happy for any team to get from rounds one through seven. One pick in each round. You literally non, could sit in that Kuiper compound every single day and, and do a mock draft and be happy as a pig. I would. I love it. Yeah, Mel and Todd in their element. We are now just three months and one day from the start of the 2021 NFL draft. For Mel and Todd, I'm Field. Talk to you guys next week.